Good day, everyone, and a warm welcome to The Going Concern. The Going Concern, a fortnightly talk show podcast where we answer your questions. And welcome to the end of season one of Going Concern. More on that later. Today, we have a bit of a special in in store for you where we're going to look at the non-accounting questions that you have sent in. So The Going Concern is a place where we hang around these microphones to talk about all of your wonderful questions which include the wacky, the wonderful, and the weird. I'm one of your hosts, Aaron Patrick, a chartered accountant and owner of an accounting firm called Boffix, a QuickBooks certified UK trainer with a fancy new logo, and that QuickBooks chap on YouTube. And join me as always is my wonderful co-host, the one and only Rachel. Hey, Rachel, how's it going? Hi, everybody. Uh, my name is Rachel. Uh, that was a wonderful, wonderful introduction from Aaron. Uh, I am a TEDx speaker, an author, a business owner, but most importantly for today, I am an accountant. Uh, I am the founder of Accountancy and director of Stridex Accountants, which is a wonderful, if I say so myself, female-led accountancy practice. Uh, we've got a cracker in store for you today, all of the non-accountancy questions. Who are we? What have you done with Rachel and Aaron? Um, so first of all, today, we are live to the world at our regular time of 12.30 p.m. UK time. So if you are listening to this back at a later time, why not think ready for season two about subscribing to our platforms and that way you can get involved with the show and ask us anything live in the chat box. This show really, really is for you guys. So this is an access all areas session where you really can ask us anything. Uh, so we are now live on the podcasting services around the globe. So please do subscribe on your podcasting service of choice so you can listen to us when you walk in the dock. Uh, so a quick overview of some of the questions that we've been sent in for today's show as Aaron said absolutely none of them are about accountancy we've got people talking about digital marketplaces marketing and how to become a manager Aaron I'm opening the mailbag are you ready for the first question I most certainly am Rachel let's get this first question out of the mailbag and let's get answering so this one is definitely one for Aaron. I'm glad it's being directed at him because this is his USP. Somebody's asked, I recently heard about digital marketplaces having to report sellers' incomes in 2023. I'm not sure I understand what this means for e-commerce businesses. So Aaron, can you explain? Yeah, so this is going to be a big, big, big change. But the way I want people to remember this change is not only is it a change that's going to affect you in business, but actually it's going to benefit you. And that's the bit you've got to remember. So the whole change is all around the fact that if you think about it now, if you were going to go sell on any digital platform, so eBay, Amazon, Depop, doesn't matter what solution it's going to be, then they have a responsibility to make sure that if you're selling the item, are you accounting for it properly in terms of taxes, maybe your VAT threshold, or maybe you're above the, the ITR threshold, whatever it's going to be, and they have that responsibility from you. But the problem is that you could sell on individual platforms and there are ways in which you could maybe circumvent these rules and regulations. And the whole point of this um of this standard and making it so that it's all been reported on is to make it a level playing field. So it should make it so that if you are looking to sell on these, on these platforms, then whoever you're selling against, whoever your competitors are should be in the same boat as you. So if they're VAT registered, you should be VAT registered and so on and so forth. And the positivity here is the fact that everyone should be in the same boat. So 
HMRC will basically know how much income people have had from individual pots and that will know if they're over any threshold or whatever it's going to be. It's all to do with that wonderful word we like to bring in, making tax digital, and it's just part and parcel of those changes that are coming through. So, yeah, it's a good good thing. It means that you looking to sell on this platform won't get you know out, out of pocket from it in, in terms of maybe selling against someone who is not deciding to go against uh, go with the rules um so now i think this is a good good thing overall um so and i'm think, sure you um, agree don't you sorry. oh 100 i was just going to ask you um do you think this will shine a spotlight on and like actually open repercussions for people that sell on platforms and actually at the moment aren't declaring their income exactly right yeah yeah and and how far they're going to go with this who knows because there are rumors and talking about the fact that all digital platforms so not just um not just your traditional ebay or um amazon but maybe if you sell digital sales as well so if you're going down patreon or one of those routes as well and um, the idea then that they will also have to report this so again it it means that people who are doing everything right will you know continue to do everything right but those people who are trying to uh, circumvent the system a little bit will fall in line as well which is a good thing for you because you know 100%. you the person who's who's trying to sell on these platforms you want to make sure that it's a fair and competitive platform yeah especially like if you think from a small business owner's perspective if say you make homemade scrunchies and sell them on etsy yeah. and like a lot of your competitors if they're not declaring their revenue they can undercut you because yeah. they don't have to incorporate tax into their <laughs> into their prices. So it makes it so much fairer for the people who are doing it right. Uh, if you are someone that does it right, you've got no problems. Uh, and actually, this is just gonna just gonna take things away from from you guys and onto the people that they should be focusing on. Yeah, exactly right. And and that's what it's all about, isn't it? I know there's a lot of kind of negativity about making tax digital and you know the fact that we're being declared in Big Brother and everything else. But if you take away kind of all of the you know all of that kind of negativity and you look at what it is the idea that we can have this level playing field for everyone is always going to be a good thing so you know let's take let's keep the positives that's what we're all about here on going concern let's keep on those positives and let's make sure that um you know going forward we can have um you know we we we, we use use these things and we look at them in a positive manner rachel let's jump into the next question so just to clarify on all these questions, well, we're not experts in these fields, so we're going to give our honest opinion on what we believe is right based on our experiences up to date. Um, but because they're not accountants related, then take a tiny, tiny bit of pinch of salt. <laughs> so this first question is the following. I was recently a manager and I'm nervous about doing a job of it because I've been a manager before and the manager before me left our company. Sorry, I'm, it always helps if I read the question properly. So you've not been a manager before. Okay. Can you recommend any courses or resources so I can make sure I'm starting out in the right way? I'd like to ask my boss to give me some budget to get the right learning. I want to become a good manager. Rachel, what's your advice on this one? This is such a good question. I feel like firstly, the most important thing to say here is the fact that you're really concerned about being a good manager will make you a really good manager is what I would say firstly. Um, I think there's lots and lots of different courses that you can go on, but I think the bits of management that you can't teach are caring, um, really understanding the people that you're managing and how to manage them in the right way. So one thing that's completely free um, that we do within our business, which we find really, really useful, is every single person that starts and that comes under James and I's management, um, we actually ask them to do um, 
There's a website called 16 Personalities, which basically gives you a personality type. So I am an ISTJ personal personality type, which is called the Defender. And uh, on this website, which is completely free, you uh, do a personality test. And it also, within the personality reporting, uh, has a management section. And it really gives some information about what your personality type is and how your personality type is best managed. So whether that be um, quite like little but often feedback and positive reinforcement to keep encouraging you along the way, or if actually you'd really like being left to it because you feel trusted. Um, so it could be actually a really great opportunity for you to come in and actually as a team, all do these personality types, personality tests together and really get an understanding of who you are. Um, talk openly about what people's different personality types are, how they learn best, how they work best. And that will really, really help. Firstly, open conversation within a team. It, it That is quite a personal thing to talk about. So it can really give people a safe place to talk about who they are, what they like, what they don't like, how they like to be managed, how they don't like to be managed. Um, and that's always something that we found really, really valuable. Also, actually, personality testing is something that a lot of people have never done before. So it is quite an interesting experience to navigate, uh, like navigate through with people that are uh, working with you so and even on a personal perspective from your side it might be worth uh, you doing it as well so you can have a look um but yeah so personality testing is something that we do with everybody um i think yeah i said at the beginning like the fact that you're really interested and really you really care about the fact that you want to do a good job i think will mean that you do a good job um again if managing a budget is really important i would definitely ask for that like go into it being really open and ask um and you'll probably receive guidance along the way um what about you aaron what do you think First of, first of all, on that personality test, I think that's really important. I always remember when, um, and this was when I was working for a top 50 firm and it was all very corporate and everything else. And I remember being asked to go on these personality tests and I was skeptical of it. I was like, I, what, why am I going on this, you know, uh, sort of idea. But actually I came away with it learning so much. And it, it's not just, and, and it works really well with, with your analogy about talking about um, your staff and and kind of getting them into the right groups and how to handle them but also when it comes to dealing with clients it's such a valuable skill isn't it just to try and understand how that client wants to interact with you how to go from it and you can kind of work it on and I find that that for me was my kind of best because I was dealing with clients day in day out and I had the confidence with them but I didn't have the confidence of dealing with my own peers because I was starting to manage them and, and become more of, uh, you know, going up the ladder with them. But I was able to kind of transfer those skills into clients and trying to use that as a way to kind of build it up. So that's how I, how, how I handled the personality idea of it and trying to bring those tests into play. Um, my two big, um, big points I would make here is first of all, remember that you are already a manager by sound of it. Like, most people when they get put in that position it's because it's a natural progression of what they're doing like you may already have a small team that you're looking after you just don't realize that you are quote unquote a manager it's it's a title at the end of the day isn't it but those skills of you delegating work of you looking after maybe a trainee of you understanding the needs of the people that you're looking after is all part and parcel of being a manager so i think a lot of that is it's yes you've got this new title and yes you're kind of going up into this new this new a place in the business and you're going up the ladder but ultimately a lot of those skills are still there so i think that's that's something that's really important to kind of take into account and then my other kind of practical tip and something that has been a massive massive benefit to me is the appraisal process so you know again as an employee it was always like appraisals you know 
tick a Most box. Of the question. Yeah. What, what's my pay rise going to be? You know, or, or what's it going to be? Yeah. You know, that that's kind of from, from an employee point of view, it was you know, always good to have those appraisals and always worthwhile. And it's great to understand what your career progression was. But actually from a manager's point of view, it's invaluable. Like you learn so much of what you were doing was right. What you were doing was slightly wrong. What, what message got, misinterpreted those sort of things that come out in those appraisal process because people are being frank with you people are being honest with you you know you you two people sat sat around a desk or sat around a computer whatever you're doing your appraisal and you're trying to both improve either the business needs or the employee needs going forward so yeah i find the appraisal process for me was that that big turning point in kind of right this is what i'm doing right this is what i'm doing wrong let's figure out what I'm doing right and let's let's keep going and doing that but what I'm doing wrong let's make a change straight away and let's sort it out from there so yeah I think I think for me they're my two big ones Amazing. Come on, Aaron. What's the next question? Next question we've got. So um let's talk about the point of marketing in the first place. Very frank this question. Oh no I have to jump to question I'm gonna it's my question <laughs> There's a lot of questions here. It's my <laughs> question. I'm so sorry, everybody. This is me asking Aaron a question. <laughs> um, We're ready for season two. I'm, I'm gonna go. go I'm gonna go. Okay. This one is a juicy one. It's a bit dark. We're going in anyway. We've Someone has said there is a dark side to social media where people conceal their true identities to portray themselves as somebody else. Sometimes in a mild way, like Aaron pretending to be a cool accountant, uh, like enhancing their looks or exaggerating their bios, but sometimes in a far more sinister way, designed to deceive other users, for example, parting with information or meeting up with in dangerous situations. Do you think there's anything that can be done to control this? My first reaction to this one is there has to be a way and we have to find a way ASAP on it. I think mm -hmm. this is just one of those areas where, and we've talked about this a lot, even on this, haven't we, even on the going concern, like the internet is a wonderful place. Like we've learned so much, me and, me and Rachel are friends because of the internet. Like it is such a positive area and there's so many benefits of being in an online community and being, you know, putting yourself out there and, and trying to build that trust and build that relationship with people that you don't know, basically. Um, but we've also talked about the sinister side on here as well. So, you know, for me, like the first, first question or the first answer has to be that there isn't a solution at this moment in time, but there needs to be one and the sooner the better. Um, I mean, we've, we've talked about it before, haven't we, Rachel, about how, you know, you and me, we both have, you know had experiences of the nastier side of um of the internet you know for me it's normally all the zero fangirls and fanboys come at me and that one sage fangirl and fanboy that i've got that uh, i think there's only one in the world anyway so you know they, they can continue to to come after me but you've seen even more sinister side of things and and and, and you know yes it's good that you've kind of had that ability to experience it so that you can talk to your clients and it, it brings it there but it should never have happened in the first place should it so yeah it's a it's a it's a an awkward topic to bring up but it's something i think needs to be addressed sooner or later what about you rachel i think on so many other platforms we are seeing like either two-step verification or photo id verification like we recently joined airbnb and as hosts um we you cannot become a host without uh, verifying where you live your address yeah. with gov government issued id um 
AI really helps that with that process from the platform's perspective. So you can get approved very, very quickly. Um, there's nothing to stop people having multiple accounts, even if their ID is verified, which I think is something that puts a lot of people off. So like, if you like cooking, for example, and you want like a cookery account, an account for your dog and a personal account, you can still do all those things, but it would be tied to you as an individual. So that if uh, alicious activities are taking place, then um, there is a, a point of contact back to you. It is absolutely something that I would support. And again, this kind of comes back to the first question about the digital marketplaces in that if you're doing nothing wrong, it just creates a safer environment. And if you are doing something wrong, you shouldn't be on there anyway. So it all is sort of moving in the right direction. It's something that I would hugely, hugely support. Um, and anybody that's ever sort of said or inferred anything negative on any of my platforms has come from a ghost account which absolutely has not been verified. I don't know, do not know who they are and their username is gobbledygook. So um, it just goes to show when people are hidden, they are much more likely to say things and do things that they shouldn't do. So yeah, just like with the first question, if, you know, if you're doing it right, you walk through airport security and you feel absolutely fine. Yeah. And um, that's, that's what it should be like for everybody because that's the purpose of these platforms are for collaboration uh, and for really, really great, great things to happen. And yeah. that's, has, predominantly been mine and Aaron's experience but it's about protecting other people who maybe can't protect themselves definitely 100 and and like there's there's still going to be places where you know it's not always going to be positive when because there will be situations or there's going to be elements where there needs to be reality check or a negativity to to you know for whatever reason maybe you're trying to sell a service that you you shouldn't you know you're going down the wrong path or or whatever it's going to be there's going to be times when you need the community to be honest with you and upfront with you and that's exactly right so i suppose you know they've got to be a way where people can still feel like they can give their opinion without being sinister about it but at the same time wouldn't it be nice if we can get rid of all of the sinister elements around the internet and that that means for all creators out there and all people who are trying to you know get on social media whoever it's going to be whatever avenue or reason they're going down wouldn't it be nice to be able to get rid of all that noise of you know the negativity and the sinister side of things and just be able to concentrate on helping the people that ultimately that's why you you chose to put that, put that content out in the first place so yeah i think i think there's a massive um benefit to it it's it's just weird how it's never been something or I've never seen it as something as a priority. It's always seemed to be like a, it's a bit of a, it'll get sorted out at one point um, going through. So yeah, I think, I think there's um I think it's a, a, a thing that we need to look out for. In fact, we've got some p comments over here. Um, so Elizabeth saying it, Lizzie saying exactly right here. So on Instagram DM to promote in comments with milestones or, or posting equals instant block. So, you know, there are kind of ways we can kind of, do it ourselves and we can manage it ourselves but it just you know there's there's got to be a better way so it's just automated and it's cleaner and self safer environment hasn't it 100 wonderful now because i got it wrong last time is it my question this time? It is your that was my fault <laughs> <laughs> all right okay um so this question is as following so rachel are you ready for this one i find managing the finances in my business overwhelming and honestly a lot of time i put off doing my accounts because my days are so busy and i'm so tired at the end of it can you can you offer any solution that can help you give me some advice on how to make it a bit simpler and easier to do this i'm hoping to raise some money soon for my business so i know i need to get better at this that's a slightly accounting one, but more of a businessy related, isn't it? Yeah, I love it. Um, 
yeah, so the first thing I'm just going to touch on fundraising first. So I have a real, um, real personal interest in venture capital. So um, I have recently competed in the global venture capital investment competition and placed fourth in the world. And um, yeah, venture capital and angel investment is something that I absolutely, absolutely love. And uh, getting people in front of the right people, the right funders with the right business and the right pitch is is very important to me and something that you can do to massively help yourself. You're absolutely right is know your numbers, have tidy numbers, really, really be solid on what they are um, and go forward from there. And then in order to get into that position where you know your numbers are happy with them and are confident doing them, uh, there's lots of different things that you can do to help yourself. So if you find that time is a real issue for you, uh, integrating things like accounting software can really, really help you where you just connect your company bank account into the accounting software and anything that happens over here automatically pulls through over here. Uh, they're all led by AI, um, which is artificial intelligence and accounting intelligence. And the more you post, the more it learns, the more it remembers, and the more it feeds that into the information that's being pulled forward in the future. So if Aaron paid me some money and I said, Aaron paid me some money, the next time Aaron paid me some money, it would say, hello, last time you said this person paid you this much. Is that what you'd like to do again? And you say yes. So accounting software, we see impact huge changes within businesses. Uh, if you are sort of at the moment, quite often if you're using um, a non-digital solution at the moment, something like a spreadsheet, Google Sheets, or just going from your bank statement, quite often you're duplicating what's already being recorded in your bank account. And actually accounting software helps you to elevate, capitalize on what information is being recorded through your bank account, which is a lot, the date, the description, the amount, mm -hmm. who that was to, who it was from, and then just elevate that, code it to the right place and really, really get cracking. Uh, software like Zero and QuickBooks also does one step further than that. So once you've put all of the things in all of the right boxes and said this was income, this was expenses, this was some advertising, this was a cost of sale, you can then also use dashboards, reports, profit and loss reports, balance sheet reports to really map out where you're at in your business, what the cash of investment could do for your business and where you'd like to take it. Uh, what do you think, Aaron? Oh, perfectly put. Perfectly put. <laughs> Um, kind of stole all the bits I would normally say in this subject, but it, it's absolutely right. I mean, you've got to think about it from your business point of view, and you've got to think about if you're struggling at this point and it's becoming overwhelming at this point, then you need to get ways in which you can get control of that because you're you're kind of infancy in your business at the moment. So maybe it's not as critical to have that real-time information. Maybe th this point is not going to be make or break if your business is going to succeed or not. But there will be a point at, at some point, uh, there'll be a time at some point where you're going to need to make some really important business decisions and you're going to need to have that information there for you to be able to, um, you know, make the right choice. So exactly what Rachel just said, that having that right software or maybe outsourcing, whatever works for you, but do yourself a favor, have the opportunity to have that data available for you because that's how you're going to be able to make your business grow. That's how you're going to be able to weather any storms like we've just had with COVID and everything else. Real-time information is so important and so critical. And you can see behind me now, there was just a, a little example of a cash flow forecast just going there. And it, it, it sounds like, you know, some people see it as this burden that they have to keep on top of for their taxes and everything else. Put that completely out of your mind and just work on the fact that you're putting these or you're getting this information one way or another again by outsourcing or delegating or however it's going to be but you're getting this information to, to make and um, give you the right tools you need to grow your business and, and build it from there and i think if you have that mentality 
and and you're there and you don't feel overwhelmed i think you'll find it's gonna help a lot better so good luck with it though that is you know that's what we're all about that's the whole point of trying to build these solutions and build these systems so that we can get them in place absolutely rachel next question is thrown from yourself isn't it yes it is and um no one knows what's going on (laughs) um okay so this is a marketing question not Mm -hmm. an accountancy question so someone has said let's talk about the point of marketing in the first place can you tell us why we should do it how to do it right and who can we learn from well personally who to learn from is sitting just over there <laughs> from, a, from a marketing point of view especially in the accounting world because I, I honestly i don't think there's much better out there uh, oh. doing doing um, socials at the moment and marketing but the whole point like i completely got this wrong when i first started in business for me marketing at the first point was have you got a logo naively yeah. i thought that was marketing and making sure that logo appeared in the right place at the right time it's not it's treat marketing as just like you would try and try and convince anyone to join anything. It's all about getting them confidence or trying to answer a question they may have. It's all those sort of sort of ways in which you've got to approach marketing these days. You know, you know yourself, like, why do you watch YouTube videos? Why do you go on and, and buy a particular item? Start thinking about it from your point of view. What's positively made you go out there and give over your hard-earned cash so you'll see like little ways and if you start trying to think about why those things are in place or why you made those purchasing decisions then start reversing that and coming from there and that's how i kind of had to rethink marketing if you like and trying to trying to understand it it was like well why did i just buy this new i don't know laptop or whatever it's going to be why why did i go down that route or or what what was the reason for me to go off and 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 follow this person on social or whatever it's going to be um and most of the time it's because they've done the cleverness of being able to without even you thinking about it they're marketing to you they've they've given you an answer you've gone in you've needed needed the answer you may not even know you needed the answer um and that's given them the opportunity to market to you so that then you start following them and then you move on from there um and it's that and i think for me maybe the youtube kind of root was the one that really forced that down me in terms of right if i'm going to create a channel and i'm going to do this properly then how do i do it what am i doing and that's when you start learning about the true in my mind the true reasons behind marketing and how that works so yeah and again we've got an expert this way so i'm going to leave it to you okay i don't need an expert um but i yeah i think for me all, all of that was was perfect firstly and and secondly it is all about clarity it's about knowing who your customer is knowing the pain points of that customer so for us in the accounting space the pain points for people are anxiety they get really stressed and anxious about managing their money um not filing things correctly owing people money not doing it right not claiming what they should there's so much fear and anxiety surrounding the entire account accountancy aspect of people's businesses uh it's also there's a strong stereotype within our industry and that people feel quite um overwhelmed and quite um intimidated with the thought of visiting an accountant so for us our the first step in any sales funnel is awareness and for us awareness does huge things so not only does awareness sort of break down the stereotype of 
what an accountant is, what they look like, how they speak, how they behave, what they make you feel like. We're also, we are changing that, but at the same time, the content, as well as just coming into your awareness and through like the site, the music, the content that we're putting out, I'm also able to deal with the the fear, the anxiety around it by giving tips, uh, decreasing anxiety, giving yeah. you little updates, talking about things that are quite serious without taking myself too seriously. So it's all about understanding who your customer is, what difficulties they face and addressing those in a way that makes them understand who you are. So I now get people that come onto new prospect calls uh, with me saying like, oh my God, I can't believe it's you because yeah. from um, <laughs> from the very word go, like they, there's such a clear vision of like who you are, what your brand is, what your color scheme is, what you look like, how you wear your hair, like you almost become a character to them that they are following and then they engage with you. And so how to do marketing right is to be clear on who your customer is and what the problems are, but yeah. also to flex with it because as the industry and as time goes on, their problems will change. So we're about to head into a huge making tax digital season and that will be a huge um, a huge piece of work for us to manage and to guide clients through that. Whereas at the moment, we're sort of building up that point. So don't feel like everything is fixed. If you created a marketing plan three years ago and it's not working now, then probably revisit that. Um, it's it's all, all very, very flexible. And that's one of the biggest things is don't think that just because something was was right for you at that time, it's not now. Like even if you pick, pick go for inspo, like find people's accounts that you want to be like or that you love yeah. their content yeah. or like even if it's nothing to do with you, but it's very aesthetically pleasing and you'd like to be like that, scroll back on their account. It won't look the same six, 12 months later. Like if it's YouTube, look at the thumbnails. They're completely different and you can see different seasons of their content. Exactly the same on um, Instagram, exactly the same on lots and lots of other, other platforms. So find people that you love and scroll back. It will make you feel like you're not going crazy. Uh, content can change. It's all fluid and it's all about your customer, what they want and actually what barriers there are in the way to them getting to you. Yeah, and I think you say it a lot as well and, and you're completely right. Most of the, 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 the wow-ness that you see there and the reason that you've clicked in the first place they're not they're not spending thousands and thousands and thousands to get there most of the time they're using free software aren't they and you, you're the biggest advocate of that one is just get you know get the you know you've said to yourself said enough times yourself you're a bit of a cheapskate but it's true though isn't it like i think the perception is that i can't compete with that because i don't have that hardware or that software or whatever the the barrier to entry you think is but actually most of them are just doing or using the same tools available that are free and are easily accessible 100 i have an iphone 7 ladies and gentlemen an <laughs> iphone 7 it's crazy <laughs> I mean, shouldn't maybe maybe we shouldn't have gone down that route now. I feel a bit upset, but yeah, that's <laughs> maybe a, comment, a, a conversation for another day. Um, uh, one other tip that I want to point out as well, and the bit that you were saying about how um, how you're talking about how the fact that you need to know your customer um, and the fact that we're learning all the time. It only really dawned on me. I want to say like few months ago about actually how beneficial that knowing your customer is not just for be able to market to the right point and be able to do that but also to value your services right because there's that whole analogy isn't there that you could just say right um i've created a training platform and it's for training bookkeeping 
and you could put it at whatever price you want. But if you put a platform out there, which is how to bookkeep for electricians, for example, and you've niched your way in there and you've got them up there, you can put it at that higher value and people are going to want to buy on that. And it's this wonderful circle of you're being able to put out the right content and the right um, services and solutions. And actually it means that you can put out the, the you know, services you're really proud of as well. And you can really need so that whole idea of niching down when it's come to marketing, I think is, is a huge um, yeah. benefit. That I think people I think don't, well, like, don't do the most. Like market segmentation, like you're saying yeah. that knowing who your customer is, is so important and like actually segmenting your market and understanding who they are. So like for us, we have, we take on a huge amount of new work that are brand new business owners and mm. we call them the day ones. And they are people that from day one know that they want to work with somebody like us. Yeah. Our second customer type are called um, Martians because they feel alienated by their current accountant or their current processes and they want a change. The yeah. third customer group actually aren't even customers of ours, but they're huge sources of revenue and customers for us. And they are collaborators. So for us in the accounting industry, our collaborators are bookkeepers, financial advisors, mortgage yeah. advisors who their customers are our customers. They're at a point in their life where they need help from fi the financial services industry. And we all collaborate with each other. Even Aaron and I collaborate with each other to make sure that the right clients are getting the right support from the right person yeah. at the right time. And so really segmenting and being clear on who they are not only means that you can elevate the service that you're delivering to them because you know exactly who they are, but also those people might change. It could be that as we go into MTD, we're seeing a new wave of people that are actually yeah. people that don't want to change, don't want to change their accountant, but have to. That's a whole different piece. That's a whole different beast to fight. Uh, and it could be that actually in, over the next 24 months, we're going to have a new like piece of our market, a new yeah. market segment that we're going to have to pitch to, deal with and approach in different ways. And it, it's so, so interesting. So like really just understanding who your market is, um, understanding who the future potential market is as well. So for us, like MTD is absolutely huge. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's just fantastic. So I really encourage you if you are a brand new business owner. Um, I know sometimes sitting in front of a blank screen can feel quite daunting, but like do some research, watch some YouTube videos, understand how to segment a market, how to name them. Even if you do like us name them funny things so that you remember them. Yeah. And like we have little avatars for them. So we really understand who they are. And obviously within those, you can have further, you can break it down even further. So within the day ones, you'll have YouTubers, people that run on TikTok, Shopify, Etsy, like you, you can break them all down and pitch to them in different ways, but like having a very clear oversight and actually making sure everybody in your company knows what they are, who they are and how you can help them is, is really, really important. And I'll elevate you to, to the next level in comparison to other people. So people see us dancing around on Instagram being hilarious. Uh, but like at, there's so much behind it every single piece of content is specifically targeted to one of those customer groups facing a specific problem and once you understand that and can like actually see it you see it and it's 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 really cool it is it is really interesting because for me it clicked when I was like not just scrolling through social just for mm -hmm. the sake of scrolling but actually going why did they post this and why have yeah. they posted that? And that there's a whole science behind there, isn't it? And that's really, really interesting. So yeah, the, the one tip I'd have on, um, on, uh, looking at segmentation is don't get too kind of bogged down. If they have to go in one part, they have to go in the other. It can be as broad as no tech and pro tech. Like for the, for us, that's like on a scale and you yeah, can, you can pick exactly. them in different ways depending on where on the scale they exactly, are. So that's yeah. always what is really, really good. If you segment the market, you can actually plot them on a graph and yeah. then, visualizing it as a graph rather than boxes really helps because it could be that somebody 
is kind of a day one, but they've had a bad experience with an account. They, they so can always kind of fit there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, no, that's brilliant advice. Brilliant advice. Wonderful. Okay. Um, my Hi, question next. Right. <laughs> I have a job interview coming up and it's my dream job. Oh, excellent. Uh, but I know loads of people will have applied for it and I'm ru rubbish at interviews. I never know what to say and I don't feel as though I'm an interesting background that employees will remember. I've been out of work for a while because I got made redundant. So I really need to impress the company. Rachel, what advice have you got for them? Okay. First things first. If you say you can, or if you say you can't, you are right. So if you go into it saying that you're rubbish, it might be rubbish. Um, so let's just shake off that bad energy <laughs> firstly before we get into the question. Um, confidence is really important in interviews and uh, with confidence, I would absolutely recommend faking it until you make it, uh, it does pay off. And um, I would also, also my top, top, top interview tip, which we've definitely covered off on the show before is, um, Remember that interviews are two way, like remember that an interview is for you as much as it is for them. You are deciding if you want to work there or work in that role or that position or that department. And they are deciding if they want you to. So don't feel like you're being interrogated with a light shining in your face. It is there as a two way process. And if you go in with the attitude, the confidence will come and follow naturally. Definitely. If you're a worrier, if you're quite anxious and, and you are quite worried about this interview, prepare prepare go in with a list of questions so that at the end when they say have you got any questions you don't flap or or waffle uh go in with some notes do some research about the role and the company going in with notes also as somebody that interviews is very impressive like it yeah. shows it shows that you're interested it shows that you're curious that you are dedicated that you've invested time preparing so don't feel like going into into it with notes would make you would, like would look bad for me that would be a huge tick because you look all of those things uh, yeah yeah definitely. so um if you are a worrier if you're worried that you might waffle or flap go in with with things written down um scribble all over your cv if you need to like do a little a word vomit before you go in um and something that i've always i recommend this to everybody um i yeah had a mentoring student recently that was going in uh, for an interview and something that i have always done in interviews and i definitely recommend other people do too is to um if you want the job tell the person you want the job like before you leave the interview let the person know just let you know i have absolutely loved this today and um if you offer me the job i would absolutely love to accept it so as somebody that interviews people that would like put you two steps ahead of anybody else because i don't have the fear of like oh did they like us as much as we like them what if i offer them the job what notice period are they on all this stuff you've eliminated any doubt You've said yep. that you've had a really good time. You've told them the feeling is mutual. You've told them that you'd like it. And you're just absolutely putting yourself one step ahead of anybody else. So oh, what do you think, Aaron? Uh, yeah, and I think you're absolutely spot. Like one of the things people forget about is uh, in a job interview, and I always bring this up in, in every job interview I've ever conducted, is the fact that it's not just the case that we're making sure that person's right for our business, but that person needs to know that this company is right for them as well and it's a two-way street and you're absolutely spot on that idea that at the end letting them know that you know they you want the job is going to put them massively ahead of it um the only other thing i would say and and this is a pet peeve of mine is just to make sure that you really read those instructions that are put out to you for that interview um 
we're, we're a little bit different in the way that we do things and we're trying to be a little bit more dynamic and we want to put little tests in there maybe little video segments and trying out new things and stuff and we'll have like here's a list of requirements ready for the interview um and if you're turning up without those requirements been done it's always going to be on a bat on a on a yeah, like you know that annoying question. teacher at gcse's that was like read the question rtfq 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 <laughs> the flipping question um but yes it, it, it's exactly that it's you know do yourself that favor just prepare for that that element of it like the reason that people are trying to be a bit more quirky about it is because pandemic and everything else we've got this bigger portfolio of, of opportunities and bigger um uh, pool that we're trying to go through to find the right person for our, our position so you know do yourself a favor go down that list of the requirements there and get yourself prepared for them because they're doing that to try and try and find the ones that really are attention to detail and they're, they're trying to it and, and and if if you generally can't figure out what it is ask beforehand and, and get some guidance you know much prefer you to turn up being fully prepared than you know turning up and and trying to wing it and not giving the best best position so that's my advice but good job good good luck with that one hopefully we've caught you in time hopefully you get your dream job going forward rachel two more questions to go haven't we yes so okay i was furloughed for a few months and now i've been laid off as my job as a shop manager I think I've got a really good business idea that I would love to get started on, but I'm nervous about whether or not I'd stand a chance at launching and selling anything right now. How can I get help? Are invested even are investors even interested in the fashion retail sector? And where can I go to find out more? Great question, isn't it? This so is a really, really good yeah. question. So basically from, well, my kind of advice, my, my, bit of kind of insight into this one for you is if you look at kind of the and Rachel just talked about it how you know there's a lot of new businesses coming through there's a lot of new clients um there's a lot of new people coming through so you know there is a real appetite at the moment for setting up on your own and the fact that furlough has kind of pushed people down that route um has definitely seen an uptake in people going right okay I've got to do something and I've always wanted to take this dream on. Now I'm going to have the opportunity to do it. And I fully, fully, fully kind of get behind that. And I think that's a great opportunity. And I think also there's never been a better time to get yourself in those businesses. There's so many tools, so many platforms, so many um, communities, so many opportunities out there for you to be able to grow your own business, to grow your own little, you know, empire, little opportunity, whatever it is you want to want to manufacture and whatever it is you want you're wanting to create you have the opportunity there um and just something as simple as youtube as a resource nowadays has got so much content on there for near enough every aspect on there if you wanted to start selling on ebay or amazon or anything like that there are countless 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 bits of content out there and the, the fact that there's so much content means you can find people who really resonate with you um Unfortunately, I don't know all that much about the fashion retail sector. But what I can guarantee is there will be a lot of content on YouTube about it. Because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, if you've got an interest in it, then someone else had an interest in it and there'll be content there. And you know what? There's also an opportunity for you to be a prominent person in that space as well. YouTube's still very, um, very young in terms of, of lots of kind of a content creators, still plenty of room on that platform for other people. So that might be an opportunity for you to also 
bring that story there, build up a following there and, and do it because, you know, that's what people enjoy, isn't it? What about you, Rachel? 100%. Yeah, a couple of little bits I wanted to touch on. Um, so one of the questions was, are investors even interested in the fashion retail sector? The first thing I would say is, and this is something that I end up having this conversation quite a lot with founders, is like yeah. zoom out a sec. So investment can be super attractive to lots of people for lots of different reasons. It, you know, solves the short-term cash flow problem and it makes it gets a value on your business and it can really kick things off. But like actually yeah. the long-term impacts of doing that are you're giving away permanent shareholding and the opportunity mm -hmm. of future profits to somebody else, whether it be an angel, friends and family, or venture capital. And for a lot of people, actually just thinking about do I want to give that up? Do I want to give up 14% of every future pound I make to somebody yeah. else just for giving me 50,000 pounds now? And, and, and do you want reality, that added pressure as well? 100%. And like, you know, with, with the benefits of a limited company and the limited liability, uh, reaching out to banks and borrowing actually sometimes for a lot of people can be what's right for their business. Um, yeah. As somebody that has fingers in lots of pies, investment being one of them, uh, the fashion retail sector is exploding at the moment. Uh, Instagram and influencer marketing is huge at the moment. And we work with quite a lot of sort of Instagram based um, bikini, uh, swimwear, holiday, workwear, fashion retail brands, and uh, absolutely everybody is interested. Like Aaron said, I think coronavirus has brought a new wave of entrepreneurs, brand new yeah. business owners, people that are passionate and independent. And that's where people want to spend their money at, at the moment as well. So would absolutely encourage you to go for it. Definitely, 100%. Cool. And, you know, that is the way into it. That's the, what, like you said, you've got various options there and yeah, good luck with it. So shall I go on for that last question then of series one? I can't believe series one is there. Uh, I'm not ready for it <laughs> So our final question, and I think this is a nice one. I think this is a perfect question to finish it off. So I'm so used to learning from people in person and nervous about not having this as much at college because of coronavirus. Do you have any advice for adapting to online learning and doing it well? I end up feeling quite isolated and I know I work best when I can chat with my friends about what we're doing and share ideas. Sometimes I just don't feel like I'm very inspired to watch things on my laptop. Being remote doesn't create friends or keep them feeling connected. Now, the reason we've included this one is a lot of our, I don't know if you're the same here, Rachel, but a lot of our and staff members have had to move over to remote learning and it looks like it's here to stay for a lot of them as well. So Rachel, what advice have you got for them? Um, again, this comes back to something that we looked on earlier about like personality testing and stuff. One thing that you can do, which very often isn't taught at schools and it certainly wasn't taught to me at school is to really actually map out and understand how you learn as an individual. Um, yes. At school learning is 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 a straight line. It's, it's not something that's fluid and like you've already identified that you really love the connection side of teaching. So there are a couple of different things you could do to help yourself. Uh, reach out to people would be my top tip. Um, I'm currently studying online. I'm doing a two year MBA course and 18 months of of it have been hugely remote uh things that i've done to connect and reach out to people and do some networking is i actually started a networking group because i wanted to join one and there wasn't one so starting yeah. a networking group organizing socials that are just online where you sit and do pub quizzes or 
games. Uh, so if something that you want isn't there, create it. Uh, schools, universities and colleges are super, super open and supportive of everything like that uh, and will, will really support you through that. And secondly, reach out to people, you know, set up a WhatsApp group of all of your peers. So you've all got somebody because the chances are, if you're feeling that way, a lot of other people are feeling that way, too. Yeah. Um, so reaching out, connecting to people, making a connection, setting up a WhatsApp group um, can. It's not quite the same, but it can absolutely help you bridge the gap. Also, social distancing rules are changed. So even though your college has one set of rules, it could be that your peers are quite happy to meet up. Uh, outside for study groups or even if you're setting up stuff online um we run a lot of study clubs on our youtube channel as well so like things like that can really help people feel connected and and feel part of a community so i'd really encourage you to sort of have a think about those things what about you are yeah i think one of the biggest things that we've learned and i completely agree with everything you've said there but the, the thing that we've learned more than anything is that it's the college provider that's going to be so important here um so maybe in this particular case is this particular individual doesn't have a choice and they 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 can only go with that particular provider but for most situations you're going to have a whole raft of opportunities or different providers and what we found was that the best provider who used to do um um face-to-face -face learning isn't necessarily the best provider for online learning um and we've definitely learned that the hard way we've definitely found out that you know one that I would sing to the rafters as being the best college in our particular area for AAT, for example, is not at all designed for doing remote learning. Um, and because it's remote learning and because we're kind of forced down that route now, and it looks, again, it looks like it's here to stay, we've been able to kind of look around the UK and go, right, so who is best in class at remote learning? Yeah. Okay, we found this best in class in remote learning. And look, they've got all of these different ways you can learn the same course in your own time and in your and, and they've split it into different way avenues that, that are designed for each individual learner. Um and that's been huge and that's that's been such a such a really great um kind of opportunity for us to kind of see all right, how can we support our our um our um, staff in the best way how can we find the best college for them and also kind of from my point of view as a quickbooks trainer so i you know i was just going around the uk training other accounting firms and i would turn up to their accounting firm and or turn up to a hotel and i would plonk down the laptops and i would then go through a whole training regime with them and i go from there but then when we moved that from and literally overnight from doing that to an online webinar we couldn't just take that course and just prepare it. We had to completely yeah. rewrite the course and completely do it. So it's one of those, I think, you know, you've got to find the right solution, the right ways in which to do that. Um, and you've got to find the right provider who's willing to teach in the right way for online. Once you've done that, I know it won't get away with the kind of, or help you as much in terms of the being able to feel connected and friends and, and, and everything else that goes with it, but at least the content will be delivered in the right way. And a lot of them as well are starting to find ways to create those friendship groups remotely and, and give you more opportunities. And I think you've just got to find the right provider or the right college um, or learning provider who's going to give you that information and give you that um, content in the right way. Once you've nailed that, I promise you, you'll, uh, you'll find some really good uh, benefits from learning remotely. And that is it, I think. Rachel, Amazing. anything else you want to add? No, no, I don't think so. Not from me. What about you? No, I think I think that's everything. So 
everybody thank you for your question and if you're listening via a podcast don't forget to allow us uh, to allow us to follow us on our social channels so you can join us live on any of our future episodes and speaking of future episodes rachel what's next so everybody we are so excited to uh to say that like this is firstly the last episode of season one um it's been crazy. I didn't think 12 months ago that I'd be <laughs> hosting an accountancy talk show uh, with one of my one of my very best friends. Uh, like Aaron and I have absolutely had the best time. Um, Definitely. The, the idea and the dream for this show uh, has absolutely been realized through season one, which is to create a safe place on the internet for people that need accountancy advice, people that are looking to become an accountant, people that are training to be accountants and to give them an anonymous platform, uh, a safe platform, a friendly platform, and a really collaborative platform to ask the questions that they don't have somebody to ask. It's what I needed, it's what Aaron needed, and we're hoping that we can be that person or people for you. So we are very excited uh, that the powers that be have given us permission to launch (laughs) season two. So please do follow us both on our social channels so you can keep up to date with exactly when, where, what, when and how season two is coming. If you want a question answered for season two, Aaron is gonna pop a link in the chat where you can check both of our profiles out, stalk us on our websites and submit a question. Uh, So please do keep an eye out for season two. We would love to see you on our social channels in the meantime. Aaron. Rachel, sorry, I was uh, trying to get that link in. You put me under pressure there. (laughs) Yeah, no, this has been absolutely brilliant. I am stoked for season two. We'll we'll, we'll give it time to simmer, aren't we? We'll probably come back in the new year, something like that, um, and give you an opportunity to all be back ready and waiting. But this has been brilliant. You guys have brought some amazing questions. We couldn't do it without you. Um, A big thank you to Rachel as well. So finally, Rachel, for the final time in season one, have you got any videos planned or have you got anything content we should be looking out for in the next <laughs> few weeks? So I would absolutely love to see you over on my Instagram and my YouTube channel, uh, both of which have the same handle, which is accountant underscore she. Um, I am actually going to be taking some downtime, I think, between season one and season two to rest and come back with some really, really cool content. But I'm absolutely positive that Aaron will be keeping you entertained in the meantime. So Aaron, what have you got coming up? <sighs> what haven't we got coming up? What haven't we got coming up? <laughs> No, we've got a lot of uh, fires ready to go. Um, but yes, I can't, I can't give away too much just yet. But we've got some uh, some nice little interviews coming up. And we've got some some influencers, shall I say, to uh, join our ranks to give you lots of wonderful insights. I'm looking forward to that coming up. Rachel, I think that just means that it's a goodbye from me. And it's a goodbye from me. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, everyone. It's been absolutely a hoot. We're looking forward already for season two. Take care of yourselves, everyone. Look after yourselves, and we will see you in season two. Bye for now.